Sunita Elaine OBE is the 41st Master of Jesus College and first woman to lead the college since its foundation in 1496. Sunita started her career at Jazz FM, then was involved in starting up a successful production company called Something Else. Sunita was made an OBE for services to broadcasting in 2003 and holds a number of non-executive board roles. Thank you so much for joining us today on Women Making Waves, Sunita. You're welcome, Linda. I'm very pleased to be here. You were born in Bridgetown, Barbados and moved to Leytonstone in East London when you were very young. What was your childhood like in London? Yeah, you sort of look through your childhood through the experience of getting older. But I I remember uh, a, a lot of laughter with my um, siblings. I've got an elder brother and elder sister. We didn't come from a very kind of rich family, but at the same time, we didn't really feel like we needed anything. We were kind yeah. of well looked after. I think it's only when I left Walthamstow and Leytonstone and went out into the wider world, you kind of were able to compare yourself to other people. I really liked school as well. I think that was one of the big things for, for me in, in my childhood. I loved school. I loved I loved uh, music. I loved um, books. I was always kind of going to the library and having like several books on the go at the same time. Yeah. So it was a it was a kind of stimulating childhood. Uh, parents were quite strict in some certain circumstances, but um, parents from Barbados tend to be, especially the mothers. I've got friends from that area of the mm-hmm. world, and I know one of my friends always says, "You know, Barbadian mothers are the fiercest women in the world." You no, know, I they're always know. so scary. I, I, I wouldn't <laughs> describe my mum as fierce or scary. I think um, passionate about their children. I think that they always wanted us to do well. Um, I think at the time as well, growing up, uh, there was a sense of all of us don't do well, always kind of looking out for us in the world, always kind of having to tell us that actually we had to do a bit better, we had to work a bit harder. Yeah. So I think it was more that. So you went to the state school, you did really well at school, and one of your teachers encouraged you to apply to Fitzwilliam College in Cambridge. Yeah, I think that's because he was from Fitzwilliam. Yes. the, the it was the head teacher and the deputy head as well. They were all it was all a big program within the school to get uh, uh, girls to apply. It was a girls' school. Was that daunting to you at the time? I mean, did you think, uh, yeah, I'll walk this, or I'm never going to get in? How how did you feel about that process? It's one of those ones where I my my first experience of Cambridge was probably through University Challenge. Um, and that was the first experience of university. The idea of university was through that. Because I was the third, I was the youngest child of three, they had gone to university. So it was one of the, the choices that laid out in front of me. There wasn't a kind of, you're, you're not going to go to university because that was the point of my parents coming was to get a good education for us. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it wasn't kind of daunting. I think in a way it's 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 how I've approached most of my life. It's kind of... It's just coming at you. It's something that you're doing. You take it in your stride. Take it in your stride. And it wasn't a kind of like, yeah, what if I don't get in? Because, you know, I knew people who hadn't got into where they wanted to get into. So, and they were still there. So it's kind of, it's just one of those things where I'm just enjoying going for it. The process was great because I was able to engage with current affairs, um, engage with my own opinions, express my own opinions in the process of applying for it. I remember the um, the actual interview day was just really exciting. I loved the yeah. woman that I I ended up, she ended up being my supervisor, Jenny Teichman, who was, um, uh, you know, who's, who sadly passed away. But she was a fantastic 
uh, when we had a great discussion about value and about artificial intelligence, which was I was interested in that because I actually applied for computer science, even though I stayed with philosophy. Um, I did philosophy the first year and then carried on doing that. Um, but it was it was actually quite a nice process. Yes, you found out I found out a lot about myself during that process. And that's that's perfect, really. That's really really interesting. Yeah, I always say that if you go for an interview and you feel like you've had a really good discussion, it's probably been a good interview. You're founder of uh, the Yes Programme, and that helps school children apply what they learn in the classroom into real-life jobs, I, I believe. Did, did you leave school with a career path mapped out in your head? Was that something that you were, were you know, determined to do? You, talk about, you talked about computing. Yeah, I think I, I left school with that in mind, but I think by the time I got to university, there's, there's certain points when you, you, you face that kind of, what am I going to do now? Sometimes it's at school. At the time, obviously, I was school was always going to be followed by university. Yeah. So technically, the your your question kind of works for at the end of university mm. when I'd gone down the path of not going to do computer science, and so I didn't have an idea about what I wanted to do. I had an idea about the elements of my character that I thought would translate into the workspace. My first job was actually in, in sales. I picked that at random, to be honest. I picked that at random and it was kind of like, okay, I need to do something. I need to earn some money. Okay, I'm going to try this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go for a job. I got my first job. It was in financial advising, uh, basically sales of mortgages, pensions, which has stood me in good stead for a number of reasons. Sales teaches you to kind of talk to anyone. Yeah. And um, it's good to know about mortgages and pensions. It is. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's like double win there. Um, but uh, I think that... Um, when I left university, I didn't have an idea about what I wanted to do. But the things that I realised whilst I was doing my first job that I liked were storytelling and jazz. So I think jazz. that's what led me, led, me, led me down the road to go towards setting up my own business and also working in the media. Uh, and you worked FM. for Jazz FM. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. I get the feeling that mentoring is really important to you. When did you find out that that was something that you enjoyed? How did you find that out? I think it's. It, I think mentoring ultimately has its roots in helping. I think I found that out really early on. Whilst I was at school, I was always one of those people who would volunteer to organise the sponsored walk or volunteer to uh, to look after this little school library. I think that was my first job was looking after the school library about age wow. eight or something. It was a small room with a few books, but I was like, you know, you're a librarian. That was very exciting. Um, and also <clears throat> just saying, let's write a play or let's do something. That in a way is, is helping because it's kind of saying we're going to do something together and it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. It wasn't until I was about... My first mentoring role was probably when I was 28, possibly too early for me, actually. Yeah. Do you think you need a lot of experience to, to be able to mentor? I don't think you need a lot of experience to, to mentor. You need, you need time to be able to commit to uh, talking to people and being part of their lives if you're going to do ongoing mentorship. I'm still friends with people I mentored 20 years ago. It's a very mutual kind of um, relationship, really. It is. It, it does bring you quite close to that person, I think. How did you feel when you were given the job um, as Master of Jesus College? At that moment that you heard, how did that feel? 
Well, I felt really great. Um, I think uh, there's moments when you kind of, you know, filmically punch the air because you're sort of like, yes, this is great. Yeah. That was one. And then when my son got into his first school, that was one as well. Yes. So, yeah, I, I it was good because I, the process, uh, the mastership process was so thorough and it was so many different rounds you know, your sort of lesson when you have to think about it and going to see the headhunters. Then, you know, the first day at Jesus, uh, two o'clock till 10 o'clock at night. The last day at Jesus, eight o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. Meeting lots and lots of people, students, all different departments, staff, um, fellows in en masse. That was really, really good. I think um, when I started the process, I was probably at 60% interest. It was one of those jobs that I'd seen other people around me do from the various boards I've been on, and I always thought, oh, that's a really interesting job. How did you get that job? Yeah. yeah. And I knew I was interested because I'd enjoyed my time at Cambridge. And during the process, it was a very mutual process because I had to find out whether it was a role that I wanted to do. And most importantly, was it a community that I wanted to join yeah. for 10 years? Um, so it really was that kind of decision. It's, so they were finding out about me and I was finding out about them. So by the time it got to the kind of, OK, you're into the last two, we're going to vote as to whether we want you to be the master. I was fully I'd, I was fully in there. So I was fully kind of, you know, I do want to have this. I really want this role. So I was very happy. Yeah. So you'd have been really disappointed if you if you having having started going, yeah, that might be interesting. Mm. It would have been pretty devastating if, if you'd not got it oh devastating disappointed big words linda <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> no no i know it was you know i think uh, having I, I suppose working in media and um when you're you're selling lots of ideas um it, it, it sometimes devastated is a big word yeah you know i think i would have been like oh i didn't get that i, I and sometimes when you don't get something it's just in the moment the devastation is a kind of long, drawn-out kind of, you know, oh, no, this is really terrible. A week yeah, later, oh, it's things. still really terrible. Oh, yeah. two months later, it's really terrible. I don't think I would have gone down that path. I think I would have been like, oh, OK, that was... I met some really great people, and it would have been really great, but I would have, you know, gone, OK, what else What else do I do? Yeah. You know, so, no, not devastated. I don't... Devastated is a big word. What does the master actually do? I have worked this out, uh, you know, <laughs> if, uh, about three or four weeks into the role. Um, it's it's such a variety of things. At the core, I am the custodian of a fantastic community. It's a custodianship which I take very seriously. You know, it's uh, Jesus is over 500 years old. And it's a community which is not just the geographical um, area of Jesus College and the people there, you know, fellows, staff, students, you know, undergraduates, postgraduates, um, research um, students and specialists. It's not just that community. It's the community of alumni. We have 9,000 alumni. It's a community of people who are finding out about Jesus for the first time and they're going to, uh, in their journey in life, they're going to find their way to Jesus. So that's, uh, and also it's a community of um, the family of people who are there, the parents who come through who are, and uh, and carers of students or the spouses of staff and, and, and fellows. And, you know, and so that's the community that I'm the custodian of. Uh, that's a very, very wide ranging 
role. It's uh, Jesus is a charity, so I you know I chair things like our council, our governing body, uh, the society, lots and lots of different committees. I am there, you know, ceremonially when students graduate, when they matriculate. Uh, I represent the college at um, heads of house meeting. I spend, you know, 15 to 20 minutes with every single third year student. I go and visit uh, fellows to see what they do. I think my role is to kind of think about what what does the community look like now and what will it look like in 10 years' time, 20 years' time, 30 years' time. So it's, it's, uh, it's great, actually, and it's very, very varied. Every day is different. It, it sounds like it, and I and I and I hear that you do speak to lots of people all the time. You're always seen around the campus, chatting, hmm. chatting to people, and getting to know them, which is brilliant. Yeah, you're not no, sitting I, in an ivory tower somewhere. Oh no, if there is an ivory tower in Jesus, they haven't given me the key. <laughs> Someone else is sat there. <laughs> Still going to spend ten years trying to find that ivory tower. <laughs> <laughs> Several women have been given senior roles in Oxbridge colleges recently. How do you think that that will change the status quo? Do you think that makes a difference that there are more women involved now? Yeah, I think it does. I think it does. I think it's um, we're, we're in a, a stage where we are in society where we're 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 digging out unfairness. We're, we're striving and moving towards uh, a deeper manifestation of equality. In yes. all different areas, uh, so it does make a difference from from the optics in terms of yes, there are more women in in place. It makes a difference in terms of people thinking that um, those jobs, the roles, are accessible. It makes a difference uh, around the table and the issues being raised as well. So I do think it does make a difference. Do you have any plans to make changes at Jesus College in your tenure? It's a fantastic college. I think it's. Um, it's just very friendly. It's very brilliant. There are areas that I've always consistently been interested in throughout my career: uh, careers, employability, um, health and well-being. Um, those are things that I think are very important. But it's just that constant kind of looking at what what does community what does community mean? Yeah. You know, how do you uh, make sure that it's accessible? How do you make sure that it's accessible to get in there and what does it feel like to be there how do you just keep making it better I've only been in place for just over one term whilst I was going for the role they said what's your vision for, for Jesus and I just said better in a number of areas I think it would have been arrogant to come in and say this is what we should be doing when you've only just arrived it's the reason I go and talk to lots and lots of people it's because the direction of an organisation is normally contained within the organisation. Yeah. It just needs to come out. People need to talk and kind of have ideas about what they want to do and what they don't want to do. Yeah. And so, um, and the sense of who we are. I think sometimes when you get a, a change, you get a chance to reset and sort of become another version of yourselves. And the community will become another version of itself just by being able to talk and say, who do you want to be? Yeah, and that I think from that lots of different areas come clear. I I do get the feeling that Oxbridge at Cambridge Universities, because that's what we know in this area. Um, I do get the feeling they are now a bit more accessible, and that people are stopping 
this idea that you've got to have gone to private school and you've got to be from a certain background. I get the feeling that that's now changing and that people are thinking, OK, I can maybe get in there. I can maybe make, make a life for myself. I might actually enjoy being there and having the opportunities that Oxbridge mm. gives me, which I think is great. Yeah, no, I'm glad that you think that. I um, think it is. I, 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 I would agree with you. You are an inspiration to a lot of people. Can you think of anyone who's inspired you over the years? Oh, yeah, I definitely, uh, you know, it, my mother, definitely. Yeah. Um, she was a, a, a very practical woman, very smart woman. She would always say to me, oh, use your common sense to figure things out. Uh, I think that is quite an entrepreneurial trait to have or to be able to practice and get into the way of thinking that um, you just need to kind of figure things out and, you know, there's a, there's barriers to overcome. We always were the sort of family, if uh, uh, in back in the days of wallpaper, when everyone wallpapered everything, even like the chairs or the tables or spoons, <laughs> everything was wallpapered. Uh, we would be wallpapering a room. I'd be joining in and helping out probably, I don't know what age, maybe 11 or 12 or something. Yeah. It would be one o'clock in the morning and it was there would be another wall to finish and she'd be like, as a family, we'd always be like, well, let's finish it. So yeah. I think there was that, there's always that kind of drive to deliver things and to finish things as best as I can. And also to um, pick yourself up a little bit when you, you asked me the question said, would you be devastated? Not, no, there's a kind of like, it's a kind of pick yourself up and kind of think, okay, you know, I'm not saying I'm perfect at all. I think everyone, um, you know, people are listening to to this now everyone's been in a situation where you know you've had moments which have been really trying but it's in those moments when you can try for some resilience try to say okay right that's that's going to pass and I'm going to pick myself up so she's always done that and that has been always been very inspiring I think that's that's a great background to have actually it, there's a strength there I think when that's passed on to you and I'm assuming that you are now passing that on to your children as well or your child I'm I'm trying I am trying, I'm trying. I think I'm living in the teenage years. So. Oh, oh dear, I, I do empathise with you there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it can be quite tricky. You have a son, don't you? That's right, yes. 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 Yeah, it can be quite tricky. Yeah, I, I he's, lovely, he's lovely, though. He's lovely. Have you ever felt intimidated by a situation? I have the feeling you're going to say no. You don't strike no, me as I'm being not gonna, easily intimidated. I'm not going to say no. I, I, that would be lying. I mean... Like I said, um, we we all we all have the same. The, the, the what what's lovely is that we we are we are so similar. You know, when you think about it, we sometimes we spend all our time thinking about our differences, and then you don't spend enough time thinking about your similarities. Yeah, you know, we sort of say, oh, you know, you come come to Cambridge from this area or this background. I don't see that when I look out at. At the students, actually, in my first year, I see young people who are all sitting there with the same kind of like hopes and fears for the future. And we were all that young person. And I don't think it's gone away. So we're all we're all very similar. Yeah. So in terms of um, moments when you've you've felt intimidated, everyone's been through those moments. And I quite like those moments, and I don't like those moments. I. I um, there is a moment when you do feel intimidated, but there's also a moment when you know you're in a different situation, which means you know you're doing something different, which means you know you're kind of having possibly an imposter moment. 
Um, so, or you know that uh, you're, you've put yourself in a situation where you're growing. There's that kind of intimidation. And there's intimidation where someone's frankly just bullying you. So we've all been through those 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 yeah. areas. I think it's define intimidation. What do you mean by that, Linda? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, that, that feeling of terror, that feeling of being a few minutes late for something and standing on the other side of the door and thinking, oh my goodness, I've got to open that door and go mm. in now. And every, the whole room is going to turn and look at me because I'm late. That's that's my... my that's inti- your- you know, when I think <laughs> of intimidation, that's, that's my fear, I mm. guess. Because it's happened to me several yeah. times. I think we've all been behind that door. Yeah, but you <laughs> wondering walk, but, but you I walk, run? <laughs> you walked in though, didn't you? Yes, I did. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still here. And I'm still alive you're to still tell here, the tale. Walking through doors. So don't worry about that one. <laughs> we've all been there. <laughs> what uh, What do you do in your downtime? What are your hobbies? Oh, I used to have more downtime before becoming <laughs> master, on the job. <laughs> before becoming master of Jesus College, because it literally is it is eight a.m. till uh, till ten thirty at night most days, and I do and I work on Saturdays and a bit of Sunday as well. Wow. Um, so no, but I I liked art. Um, it came to that very very late. I'm not very good, but I'm enjoying it when I do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so just drawing and a bit of oil. Uh, painting I did a ceramics course I did a bit of creative writing uh, I, I still love uh, watching television I love formats you know anything that's new that's come out I'll have a look but maybe that's because of the media background and mm. being on the BBC Trust and having a production company where that's what you did you had to kind yes. of watch and listen to everything that was going on so I still like doing that um, walking I liked cooking but I don't do much now Oh, you so, don't do as much cooking anymore. Yeah, but Time. we we Jesus College now has a new art club. So that's oh. very good. So I can I can I can go and draw with students and fellows and staff. So it's really good. It's and, kind of and cuts fly fishing. Did I hear you? Yeah, you, yeah. You I like used that? to do fly fishing because it's quite unusual, actually, and uh, as a hobby, I think. Well, I don't I, know anyone I, actually, I um I enjoyed it when I was at uh, when I was at Cambridge as a student. There was a fantastic. Uh, television program on I think the presenter was John Wilson and I might have got that wrong uh, I think it was called Go Fishing mm-hmm. and he was so enthusiastic about it I thought I would give it a go I would in fact go fishing um, so that was ages ago and I've been to a few places over over time but I haven't uh, you know haven't got, I've got a pen travelling rod um, which I will get out at some point I think that sounds great. Well, I hope you have enough downtime and enough free time to uh, to start enjoying that when you're with us here in Cambridge. Yeah, no, I'm very keen to kind of just get out into the city and, uh, you know, just explore a sense of place of, of the whole city. Yeah, because so it's a great city. It is, it is actually. So hopefully I'll, I'll get to Cambridge United at some point to watch a football <laughs> game is my goal. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've got the best job in the world. I, I think I say. have. I think you have. Thank you very much, Sunita Elaine, for joining us on Women Making Waves today. Thank you, Linda. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.